What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you guys had a very relaxing open date. There was some good college football to be played. We're going to recap some of that here uh, in the first segment of the show. We had a great time in Burns, Tennessee, as the uh, the wife ran, I don't know what they call that race, but uh, it was at Montgomery Bell Park, and uh, we had some drama. We did. I guess she ran three trail loops and then decided to do a road loop. And during the road loop, tripped and fell, sprained her ankle, gassed her knee, shoulder, elbow, forearm, all the good stuff that goes along with that. Lesser women would have quit. She did not. Matter of fact, your good friend and host went out with her for a, a road lap, tried to make sure she was good. We went out on the trail, again, to kind of make sure she was good. And uh, I was happy to, uh, to run the last little bit with her. And uh, so, about five miles for your good friend and host. Most of that hiking, just so you know, because I'm semi-retired as a runner. Uh, but yeah, we had a good time. It was good to get back. Uh, sat around last night, watched, uh, finished up season two of Yellowstone. And many of you have uh, been incredibly passionate about that show. I'm kind of late to the party, but I'm looking for something cool to watch. I am enjoying it. Uh, I am, and I love the fact that there's so many great tunes on that, and uh, even some uh, some Maynard and, and Pussifer on there. Pretty cool. But yeah, I'm on season three now, trying to get completely caught up, and uh, I will soon. So uh, nevertheless, chaotic weekend in, in college football in many respects. I love chaos in college football as long as it doesn't negatively impact us, right? Isn't that how you feel too? It's like... I want everything for us to kind of go to script, and I want everybody else to just have to deal with just week-to-week chaos. But I uh, already got an article up, our first look at Arkansas. Went and uh, watched their post game and kind of you know put a notebook together. You can read that for free over at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. And uh, later today, we will get Zach Arnett. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to record the first part of this show, and we're going to pause it. We're going to run over and meet with Arnett and players, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to add that as the second half of the show. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. So 
This show in its totality will run about 90 minutes, but it'll take uh, a few hours to come together because I didn't want to, uh, to wait too long to get the show together, but also, too, I wanted to be able to get some of Arnett's comments, and hopefully we get an injury report today. Uh, one of the questions that I plan to ask is, is there anybody outside of Trevion Williams that is out for the remainder of the year? We'll try to get to the truth, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, too, we always respect the fact that uh, someone else's health, no matter our rooting interest or our emotional or financial investment, someone else's health is not always our business. We think we have a right to know where well, there's a desire to know. Uh, this time last year, we weren't sure KJ Jefferson was going to play against us and didn't find out until game time that he wasn't playing because he didn't make the trip last year and he did suit up and he didn't play and uh, State won the game handily. We're going to preview the Razorbacks on Friday's show. I don't think I'm leaving uh, until around lunch Friday. So we'll get that done for you. And uh, we'll go spend some time up there in Fayetteville in northwest Arkansas with the family. But it's been a good open date. It has. And uh, we'll find out how good today when we meet with Arnett. Hopefully we got some guys healthy and they'll continue to get healthy uh, this week. Uh, the people that send me stuff is never ending. I don't know how it is for you. But uh, it's much different. Wasn't always like this. I don't always get a chance to read everything. But, uh, but all that said, uh, it's an important week for Mississippi State. This is a must-win game. Let's just call it for what it is. This is a must-win game. It actually sets up really well for Mississippi State. Arkansas has lost five games in a row. It is 11 a.m. kick. And, yes, as I saw today, it's the first home game in over a month. So there's going to be some pent-up demand for a lot of people that maybe perhaps don't travel with the Hogs, and they'll have an opportunity to see them play in their home venue for the first time since they lost to BYU back on September 16th. Uh, But, again, we'll break that down even further. But, again, it sets up really well for us. We've got to go take advantage of it. Uh, Rocket Sanders not expected to play, didn't play against Alabama. Sam Pittman said in postgame that he needed some more rehabilitation on his knee, and he's gone to seek treatment. They don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, but that said, that Arkansas offense has, even though it hadn't been phenomenal, and I think a lot of it's because Dan Enos is not exactly sure what to do with K.J. Jefferson. I think K.J. has kind of been, I don't know, kind of fenced in a little bit in this scheme. Uh, did make some plays in the second half against Alabama. But uh, they have been able to run the football at times, even though Rocket hadn't been there. Certainly you'd like to have Rocket if you're an Arkansas fan. Uh, he was an All-American in preseason, and guys, he doesn't even have 100 yards rushing on the year. And you hate that for the young man. I mean, no matter who we are, who we cheer for, you hate to see young people get injured, especially a guy as talented as Rocket Sanders that uh, has NFL aspirations and potential. Uh, we don't want to play him. I hope he makes a full recovery next Monday. Uh, but all that I understood, this is an Arkansas team that is pretty beat up. They've had some guys uh, down on defense, had some guys step up over the weekend. And uh, we'll talk about that as we kind of get into the week and kind of get you acquainted with the 2023 Arkansas Razorbacks. In many respects, they're kind of our contemporaries. I mean, I think we always see them, hey, that's, that's a, a game we should win at home and hope to win on the road. And uh, we have had some success against them. We've also had some very competitive ball games uh, over the years. And, again, we'll break all that down as we get a little bit deeper into the week. But, uh, yeah, they gave Alabama all they wanted, then some. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I will be in there to get some lunch or dinner one day this week. You can rest assured of that. I have missed going in there. Didn't get a chance to go last week, but we will go this week. Uh, I love the Eat With Us group. One of the best things about Starkville is our local cuisine. Nobody doing it better than the Eat With Us group. And uh, so when you're in town, 
Go buy and dine at one of their fine locations. And uh, Bulldog Burger Company, of course, uh, a fine sponsor of this show and have been for a long time. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, one of the things that I'm just so proud of this organization for, even three years post-COVID, we still have people basically trying to pass some of their expense on to you. Like you're not getting what you paid for pre-COVID. And you go some places and under a convenience fee. Well, how am I convenienced by you charging me five, six, seven, eight, ten more dollars? It's not that it's the same meal you were giving me before. And in some situations, the portions are smaller and the prices are higher. And then you're charging me a convenience fee on top of that. I just don't I just won't participate in that. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I mean, it's bad enough that I got a tip for everything these days. I can't even use a rest area without having to tip somebody. But uh but you understand my point. That's why I'm so, I love Bulldog Burger Company. There is integrity in pricing. I know exactly what I'm going to get. The quality of the meal, the quality of the service, uh, the quality of the atmosphere uh, has only gotten better in recent years. And while other people have raised their prices, they haven't. Again, there's integrity in that. I think it speaks about you know the quality of the people running that operation. But go by and have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you better looking. And everybody around you get that great restaurant quality hamburger. Uh, get maybe their bread pudding to go. Because you know when you get home, you're thinking, oh, man, I'm so stuffed. And it's time to go to bed. You're thinking, man, I sure wish I had something sweet, a little bit of a palate cleanser. Well, that bread pudding will work well for you. Or maybe get that chocolate shake, the Nutella shake, whatever you'd like. So many great options at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. To our SEC review, I know many of you have uh, watched some of these games live. Maybe you went back and watched the highlights. I love the fact that uh, you can get a condensed game online these days with no commercials and a lot of non-content plays removed. Uh, but uh, Georgia, 37-20 winners at Vanderbilt, did not cover. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You go back and look at Georgia against the spread. They're just one of those teams that – you don't get the sense that Kirby wants to embarrass people, but I also get the sense sometimes he is aware of the spread. Uh, but 37-20 winners of Vanderbilt. And, again, as I said, I think Vanderbilt is done winning football games. What does this mean for Clark Lee long term? Is Clark Lee going to make it? I, I think Vandy's best course of action because they're Vanderbilt. Clark is one of them. Uh, they are doing a good job evaluating young talent. I think you've just got to stick with it. I don't think you look at it and say, well, you know what, we're going to go 2-10 and 10 this year. You showed some flashes last year, and you won some games, thanks in large part to Mike Wright, who is now a Bulldog. But I think if you're, if you're Vandy, you just say, you know what, hey, we're just going to sit here and grind this thing out, and we're going to give Clark Lee three or four years to figure it out. And it, it helps that he's one of their own, right? You know Clark Lee will probably stay there forever if they let him. But, uh, yeah, 37-20. The game probably a little more competitive than most people expected, including your good friend and host. I, I thought Georgia would get after him. I just didn't think Vandy would be able to score. And they were. I mean, you, you look up, you know, it's a 7-7 game after one, and then in the second quarter, Georgia gets going, makes it 24-7. You think, okay, they'll cruise here. Vanderbilt tacks on 13 fourth-quarter points, which kind of prevented any hope of, uh, of a cover there from Georgia. But uh, you start looking ahead here and you start thinking about, you know, Georgia. They're, just, again, just kind of quietly going through here. And you look up and they're 7-0. and Big game coming up here in two weeks. They'll be off this week. And then Georgia will meet Florida in Jacksonville for the, uh, you know, 
the world's largest tailgate or whatever, cocktail party, whatever they're calling it these days. But then when you look at from beyond that, you know, the rest of the schedule is a little bit up and down. You get Missouri the following week, and Missouri will talk about them shortly. Missouri, better than advertised, for sure. They'll go to Georgia. That, and you, Last year, Missouri should have beat Georgia. Should have. That may be a tougher game than most people anticipate. Then the next week, they welcome Ole Miss to Georgia. And with that Ole Miss offense, I mean, you give them a puncher's chance, then you got to go to Tennessee, and then you're at Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, still Georgia Tech, but they're better than they have been, uh, than they were under Jeff Collins. But uh, I don't think Georgia is just going to coast to Atlanta. I mean, you look at the games here. Uh, they've got – you know, four, five games left, and four of those – excuse me, three of those are against opponents ranked in the top 20. So it's not like Georgia's going to win by default. On the Vanderbilt side of things, you know, it's a, you look at this stuff and you, you – you, I think Vandy's kind of the lovable losers in this conference, right? I mean, it's like, man, Vandy. Now they get the big rivalry game in two weeks. This week they get the, uh, the bye date, the open date, and then they will travel to Oxford the 28th. They just don't have enough offense. And then they will host Auburn, and I'm sure Clark Lee, I remember thinking, hey, this Hugh Freeze offense has been rather pedestrian. Maybe we have a chance. You travel to South Carolina, you travel to Tennessee. I just don't see a win on there, unless maybe it is Auburn. But you got to think from a talent differential standpoint, they should get it done. Again, we're going we're gonna to go with our original thought. Vanderbilt's done using winning football games this year. Uh, we mentioned the Arkansas-Alabama game. It looked like, you know, in that half that Alabama's about to run away with this. And you give Sam Pittman and his staff a lot of credit. I like Sam Pittman. And there are times I listen to him speak, and he kind of reminds me of Jackie Sherrill. But Al- Arkansas jumps out to a 6-0 lead, and that's the thing. Field goal, you're not going to win in Tuscaloosa kick field goals. You're not. And I, and I get it. you got to reward the offense, and you kind of get on the field and, and get on the scoreboard, and then you're kind of telling everybody, hey, we belong here. We deserve to play with these guys. And the next thing you know, it's a big pass. 7-6 Alabama. Alabama gets another touchdown. They get a pick six. And so you look up, and it's, hey, it's 21-6. to Alabama's going to run away with this. Second half, the Arkansas defense really clamped down. And outscored Alabama in the second half, 15-3. to three. You know, they go for two there late in the fourth quarter to pull themselves in a field goal and had the ball down three and just couldn't mount a drive there uh, to win the game. And Alabama ultimately salts the game away. Arkansas now 2-5. and five. And, again, you look at this schedule, and as Sam Pittman, by his own admission, will tell you they have a very difficult road to hoe uh, to get – to boil eligibility. The good thing is that four of these last five are going to come at home. They have the road trip to Florida, so they'll host us this week. And then the next game, uh, they'll get the open date, and then they'll go to Florida and play in the swamp. And Florida's been really good at home. Then Auburn goes to Arkansas. That's a game Arkansas could get. Florida International goes to Arkansas. That's a game they should get. And then Missouri goes to Arkansas. And we saw last year what happened with Missouri. It's a toss-up game, and it may be a bowl eligibility-type game for them. And so I say that because I think it's important. They they will likely look at this week's game against Mississippi State as their Super Bowl. They admitted two years ago that's how they approached it. They said, hey, this is our Super Bowl. we got to win this game. So we're going to get everything that they have to offer. 
Because, again, you look at this, if they find a way to beat us and they find a way to get Florida International, I get some five. You just got to get one of the other three. So we're going to get their absolute best shot this weekend. Uh, but all that I understood, there are no gimmies. The, the good thing for Arkansas is, is they, they've kind of played the elite teams in the conference outside of Missouri. They don't have a ranked team left on the schedule. So it's doable. I don't know how likely it is, but it's doable. And every time that we get ready to say, you know what, Alabama may be in a little bit of trouble, even though all of us expected them to beat Arkansas, and they did in a much tighter game than, ex- than we expected. They're 6-1, 4-0 in the SEC. They may have their hands full this weekend, though. Tennessee is going to be at Alabama. And then the next week, excuse me, there's the open date, and then they get LSU. So back-to-back very difficult games. And then you've got to travel to Kentucky. And I don't think Kentucky's very good, but they do play better at home. Then it's UT Chat, and then the Iron Bowl at Auburn. I'm not ready to concede that one just yet. I'm just telling you. I'm not. You know that Hugh Freeze understands rivalry games. So, again, Alabama really kind of getting into the meat of their schedule right now. Tennessee, LSU, and then we'll kind of take an inventory then. If they can get through those two games, you kind of like you know the way things look because I think everybody else behind them is going to beat each other up. But uh, some good football left to be played within this conference. Texas A&M goes to Knoxville, Tennessee, and they really made this a ball game. Tennessee wins 20-13. to 13. Very easily could have gone the other way. And it looked like in the early going that may be the case. I don't know what's happened with this Tennessee offense, and a lot of people are attributing it to Joe Milton. I think it just goes to show you what a great player Hendon Hooker was. Joe Milton, a great athlete, but uh, just not doesn't have that same big playability. You know, it's 7 7 at the, after one, and at the break, it's 10 7 Aggies. And you know, Jim Bono's guys are saying, hey, we hadn't played well offensively, but we're in this deal. We got a chance. AM gets a field goal, Tennessee scores a touchdown. All of a sudden, you look up here, and it is a 14 13 game going into the fourth quarter. And Tennessee wins the fourth quarter, 6 0, and ultimately wins the ball game. Add a couple field goals late. And uh, defensively, just played really, really well in the second half of this ball game. Tennessee now five and one, and again, just kind of rolling on through there. Nobody's talking about them. A uh, and M now four and three. I still think they've got a good chance to get to uh, to eight and four. You know, we'll see how things progress. But we talked about this Tennessee team in the preseason. I picked them second in the East. They still got some beef left on their schedule too, as you guys are well aware. Uh, as we mentioned, they'll be in Tuscaloosa. Then they go to Kentucky. They get they host UConn. They go to Missouri. They host Georgia. And then close it out with Vanderbilt. And you look at there and say, okay, well, UConn and Vandy, that's two sure wins. Outside of that, all those games could be competitive, especially when this uh, offense hadn't been as explosive as expected. Uh, but you, you got to think they're at least going to get to seven. I still think they've got a really good chance to get to double-digit wins. But I think it's going to get their hands full with Alabama and Georgia. Florida goes into Columbia, South Carolina, and wins an absolute barn burner of a game. Some late heroics there in the final minute. Pretty wild game. It's 14-10 Carolina after one. Florida rallies back and has a 24-21 lead at the break. The third quarter, defense just kind of made some adjustments and tightened things up. The teams trade field goals. And ultimately, in the end, South Carolina wins the fourth quarter but comes up two points short. And a 41-39 deal. And, uh, it's again, Florida has not been great away from the Swamp. This is a big win. 
South Carolina now two and four, one and three. And again, I think we're going to look back. And we said it even when that happened. We lose at South Carolina. We're going to look back and really lament that loss. I think South Carolina, uh, earlier this year, I began to think maybe I've misjudged this team. Maybe they're better than we thought. I still think we should have won the game. And uh, I know that may hurt some feelings, but uh, that's how I feel about it. Now you look at Florida, who beginning of the year, a lot of people expected them to be a five and seven, maybe a six and six team. They're five and two right now, three and one in the Southeastern Conference, a big road win at South Carolina. And listen, I get it. You said, well, Steve, how's it a big win? Anytime you win on the road in this league, it's a big deal, especially uh, when you're, you're the dog. So they will get the the, buy, the open date this week and then, of course, play Georgia. Then they host Arkansas. They then travel to LSU, travel to Mizzou, and then host Florida State. Man, it's going to be tough. I mean, it is. I mean, you say, Steve, they, got, they just got to win one to get bowl eligible. Is, is that enough? Maybe that quiets things down a little bit, but is six and six enough at Florida? You know, you got to think Arkansas going to Florida – if I'm, if I'm looking at this as a Florida Gator fan, I'm thinking that is our best opportunity to get a win. Outside of that, it's tough. you got the number one Georgia, you got the number 19 LSU, number 20 Mizzou, and number four Florida State. Even though that's going to be in the swamp, it'd be a big ball game, it's going to be a difficult path. It's going to be a really difficult path. And if they, if they, if they lose to Arkansas, I think Billy Napier uh, is in a lot of trouble. I know everybody's talked about that buyout. Florida's got all the money they need. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. South Carolina situation, this is a huge loss for them. I mean, it really was. You can't afford to lose home games. And again, two and four in the SEC. And their non-conference schedule, a little more challenging to most because, you know, they picked up North Carolina this year. They lose at ball game. They're going to close this thing out with Clemson. And Clemson hadn't been great this year. And remember, South Carolina dominated them a year ago. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things progress. But you're two and four right now. Got to find a way to get four. Well, let's see. This weekend, you go to Missouri. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Then the next week, you got to go to College Station. Right now, if you had to really bet your money, would you bet on South Carolina winning either of those road games? I would say probably not. Jacksonville State comes in the next week, and then uh, Vanderbilt. So you feel like, okay, we should be able to get those two. Then Kentucky comes in, Clemson comes in. So, So Carolina will close out the season with four consecutive home games. But, again, you start working through this and you begin to wonder, okay, can they find a way to get four of those six? You feel good about two of them. South Carolina could be uh, could be on the outside looking in when it comes to the bowl picture. Uh, Auburn offensively still not great. You know, a lot of it boils down to the quarterback position. You know, Thorne hadn't been good. Uh, LSU jumps all over them, 17-0 in the first quarter. It's 20-7 to at the break. And LSU in the second half just did pretty much what they wanted to do uh, they win the third quarter 14-3 and 14-8 in the fourth and ultimately win 48-18. One of the best offensive efforts in LSU history this year uh, for them. But uh, they jumped right on it. I mean, jumped right on it, really dominated that first quarter. Uh, put together three very lengthy scoring drives. Maybe that's not correct. Maybe lengthy is not the maybe, – maybe the phrase here is uh, they put together some a lot of yards – and they're lengthy, but they weren't lengthy time-wise. Only one of those uh, exceeded six plays. But uh, from there, you know, they just kind of hung in there, made some things happen. Jaden Daniels, 20 of 27, 325 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Thorne, 12 of 23 for 102 yards. Robbie Ashford, three of four uh, with the one touchdown. Just 52 yards. But uh, you didn't have an Auburn Tiger rush for more than 70 yards. Didn't have a lot of long plays. You know, they're trying to use this quarterback run thing. Jerkwes Hunter had seven carries for 16 yards, including a touchdown. Uh, LSU had two players nearly go 100 yards in this ballgame. And you look up league neighbors again and again and again. John John Emery had a catch for 49 yards in the ballgame too, and also uh, six carries for 42 yards. They're starting to get some production out of him. But, uh, again – I expected LSU to win the game. I just didn't think that Auburn had the offensive firepower to be able to compete in this shootout. They don't. And you start running through the Auburn schedule here, and you start thinking about this, okay? It's their three and three. They're off this week. Excuse me. No, they're not. They're not. They host Ole Miss this week, and uh, we'll preview that later in the week. This is the freeze bowl. You got to know that Ole Miss is going to get everything Auburn has to offer. I just don't know that Auburn has enough offensively to really compete with Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to score. 
I think we all know that. Now, you're going to be really relying on an Auburn secondary that it's proven to be pretty good to kind of shut some things down. I won't be the least bit surprised this is a competitive game. I will be surprised if Auburn's able to win it. Uh, the next week, of course, we travel down there. you got to wonder what kind of emotional state they'll be in. If we beat Arkansas, I think you got a shot at Auburn. You lose to Arkansas, you know, I begin to wonder about the, uh, you know, where we are mentally as a team. Auburn then goes to Vanderbilt. You'd like that as a win. We talked about that earlier. Vanderbilt may see that as their best opportunity to get one, but Auburn should be able to win that ball game. Then Auburn goes on the road to Arkansas, and they host New Mexico State. So you look at the schedule and say, hey, the only sure win in this game, in this remaining schedule, is New Mexico State, which is only gets you four. So can you find a way to get three? Well, you feel like Vanderbilt, you ought to be able to get that one. That gets you two. So, you know, Hugh Freeze is no dummy. Uh, he's made some poor decisions, but uh, all that I understood, we're going to get their best effort. Anybody expecting those guys to lay down, even if they lose to Ole Miss this weekend, uh, kind of kidding yourselves. It probably even builds a little bit of sense of urgency. Uh, so we're not going to get a pass. We're not going to get a default win anywhere uh, down the stretch here. Now, you begin to wonder about this LSU team. You know, last year we began to talk about it on the show. You know, LSU's got a chance to win the West. And I remember the first time I said it on the show, I even got some messages and said, Steve, no, 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 it's not true. All right, so they get Army this week at night. I don't know how they, they keep finagling that, but whatever. Uh, Army, that's a loss for Army. So LSU should win that game. It's not an SEC game, but it makes them 6-2 and two heading into the home stretch. That LSU-Alabama game is huge. LSU-Alabama is absolutely huge. Huge. Alabama wins that game, I think they're in great shape. LSU wins that game, it's going to be a wild month of November. Florida then goes to LSU, Georgia State's at LSU, A&M's at LSU. So, LSU, four of the final five games at home, and the one road trip is the big one to Tuscaloosa. And you know as well as I do, after the way LSU played in that game last year against Alabama, uh, you know Nick Saban's going to have it dialed up. So, LSU still a factor in this because, of course, if LSU finds a way to win out, they're back in Atlanta for the second straight year. And there's so many people that have been so down on Brian Kelly, but all of a sudden you look up and you think, you know what, hey, it hasn't gone the way we thought it would go, but it still may get us where we wanted to go. And it's it's impressive. I mean, it really is. But, uh, you know, if I'm LSU and I'm thinking I got four or five at home, I got to like my odds in those ballgames. All right, Missouri finally beats Kentucky, and they go to Lexington to get it done. Are you, I mean, are you familiar with this, this at all? I mean, I know it's like it's in the East, so we don't always pay attention to it. It's like it doesn't matter to us unless we're playing somebody. But are you familiar with this series at all? As a matter of fact, I was with a Missouri fan uh, Saturday evening. and said, oh, we're finally going to beat Kentucky. Finally going to beat Kentucky. It's five to nine, Missouri. Excuse me. Missouri's won five and lost nine to Kentucky. That was kind of confusing the way I said that. But, uh, you know, Mizzou wins back in 2020. That was their first win against Kentucky since they joined the conference. If memory serves me correct. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, that's not because Pinkle beat them. Yeah. So, but yeah, they've won two since 15, including a 38 21 win in Lexington. And what's so crazy, you look at these games, and they've all been so competitive for the last few years, but it's always been Kentucky finding a way to win. But, 
Yeah, that ends uh, a nice little stretch there. So from 2015, you know, Kentucky wins one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven of nine. So big win for Mizzou, not just because of the SEC scheduling and uh, the bow eligibility aspect of all this, but uh, to kind of get over the hump and kind of legitimize Drinkwitz as a coach. I know that he's a guy a lot of people like to kind of kick around a little bit, but uh, how can you argue against what they've done this year? They're better than I think any of us expected to be. Now, they're 6-1. and one. They've already played their non-conference games, but they also, uh, you know, they had the big win over Kansas State. No, 2-1 and one in the league, so it's SEC games the rest of the way. And, again, they host South Carolina this week. They travel to Georgia. That's a loss. Then Tennessee goes to Missouri. Could be a competitive game. Then Florida goes to Missouri. Then Missouri goes to Arkansas. Outside of that Georgia game, I think you look at his Missouri team and say, at worst, the rest of these games are toss-ups. Even the game against Tennessee. Because if Missouri can play a little bit of defense, that could be an interesting night in Como, for sure. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say they'll find a way to get, uh, you know, one or two more, but they're already bowl eligible. Last year, it went all the way down to the last game of the year, and they had to beat Arkansas. So, yeah, they're trending in the right direction. So, we were clearly wrong about the Tigers. Uh, I don't think we were wrong about Kentucky. I know when they uh, did so well against Florida, you know, my inbox lights up and says, hey, Steve, you know, hey, it looks like you were wrong about Kentucky. Of course, I got no return messages this week uh, from those same people. Hadn't, had, didn't get one last week against Georgia either. But we'll move forward here. And, again, Kentucky, the great start, but really have kind of gotten into the meat of the schedule. And it's like, I think, again, when you look at this non-conference schedule that they've had and the fact that you open up you know, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and Akron, and then Vanderbilt, it's like, hey, well, they're 4-0. That 4-0 is pretty, th- pretty thin soup. I mean, honestly. They beat Florida, and then they've been destroyed by Georgia. And then can we can, dare we call it a blowout in Lexington with Mizzou? They win by three three scores. Okay, open date for the Wildcats, and then they host Kentucky. Could be an interesting game. You got you think Tennessee's more talented, but uh, listen, Kentucky understands what's at stake here. They traveled to Mississippi State the following week, and then host Alabama, and then travel to South Carolina, and then nationally ranked Louisville. So the back half of this schedule is a little more loaded. You can say, but Steve, we're in the middle of that. And I, yes, self-loathing state fan, I hear you. But when you look at what Kentucky has done in recent years in Starkville, it hadn't been good. So there's not a game you look at right now and you say, you know what, hey, that's a sure win. So it could be interesting. Could end up 6-6, six and six, could end up 5-7. and seven. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, but, yeah, an interesting week in the Southeastern Conference. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of look at where things stand a little bit later. Uh, in the week but uh, yeah great weekend some very competitive games in many respects and uh, that Florida South Carolina game you know going down you know, Mertz makes the big throw late uh, to win the game at Williams Price it's crazy but uh, but you love it quick look at uh, this week's schedule we won't we won't preview anything we'll just kind of talk about what is to come and it's a very very thin week uh, of course state is at Arkansas Tennessee at Alabama, South Carolina at Missouri, Ole Miss is at Auburn, and then Army at LSU. So you throw the Army-LSU game out of this thing, and you look, hey, there's four games here that should be really entertaining and really competitive against four teams that are still playing for something. Uh, so, again, a thin schedule this week, but uh, certainly I think we go win the ball game against Arkansas. We're going to feel a whole lot better about life, and we certainly need a win. There's no question about it. 
but there's some other games out there that would kind of impact some traffic. We just got to figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to find a way uh, to get into the postseason. And, and let's just call it for what it is. I know we're three and three. You see, you know what? Most people, even the most ambitious of Bulldog fans, had us four and two. We're just not playing well. And that's what you hope after this week you get some guys healthy uh, and maybe have a chance to add some new wrinkles and go out there and play well uh, this week on the road at Arkansas. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you, CloseWithBlair.com. Blair recently made the move to Priority One Mortgage, but the website and phone numbers remain. Listen, Blair's been doing this a long time. This is a guy that knows how to get things done. It can be a very stressful and anxious process, borrowing money. That's just the reality of life. Entrust your mortgage to somebody that can help navigate through the labyrinth that is underwriting. Give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Blair, uh, top 1% close ratio in the country back to back to back years. I know it's, again, it's so easy to get confused, right? It's good to work with somebody that's seen it all and done it all. And that's Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Be sure and let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard when you do. Every time I turn around, I'm getting a message about, the, hey, we got another Boneyard application or another Boneyard loan ready to close. Uh, Blair is a season ticket holder in multiple sports here at Mississippi State. I like to keep the money in the family whenever we can. Uh, so uh, think of Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com when you have mortgage needs, whether it's buying a home, refinancing a home, whatever you'd like to do, uh, Blair will be your friend in the industry. All right, uh, so we're going to talk about a classic rock band today. And uh, I hit Roy up last week and said, hey, have we done these guys? He said, no, I thought we had. And maybe we have, but even if we have, we'll revisit this. Uh, it took forever to get them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know my thoughts about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think so much of that is just absolutely ridiculous. And I love how they always say, well, you know, rock and roll is different things to other people. Uh, Nobody anywhere that knows rock and roll can argue against the inclusion of Deep Purple. I love Deep Purple. They're a band that has been around forever and a day. Multiple lead singers found some big hits. Uh, Dave Coverdell from Whitesnake, our friend, was also part of Deep Purple for a while. Got some Dave uh, tracks on our list today. Of course, uh, Ian Page. He's kind of the well-known vocalist of Deep Purple. Uh, but you work through this and you begin to realize, I mean, there's been some legendary players. Of course, John Lord, God rest his soul, uh, played the organ for Deep Purple and really gave them the bigger, thicker sound. But uh, Richie Blackmore, probably the guy that uh, when people think of Deep Purple, they think of Richie Blackmore. Uh, so here we go. Top 10 Deep Purple tracks. And I believe these um, probably ha- more than half of the top six songs, or first six songs, are going to be uh, David Coverdale tracks. Uh, we're going to go with a great track that many of you don't know that uh, has a little bit of a Stairway to Heaven vibe to it. It's not, you know, doesn't have that great solo at the end like uh, Jimmy Page lays down. But uh, some incredible work here with Dave Coverdale on vocals, Soldier of Fortune, number 10. Soldier of Fortune, number nine, another Coverdale classic. It's Stormbringer. Uh, Whitesnake actually re-recorded many of David Coverdale's contributions to Deep Purple and called it the Purple Album. 
And Stormbringer was one of the highlights of that. Of course, Red Beach kind of laying down the tracks there on that one. And uh, being able to play Richie Blackmore's incredible licks, what an honor that proved to be. Uh, number eight, one of the greats, man. I absolutely love this track. It's a song called Mistreated. Number eight on your list, Mistreated. Because I've been down, I've been mistreated. You know, it's basically a you know, blues song about uh, kind of the lover's lament, you know. Kind of in the vein of Marshall Tucker's, uh, you know, Can't You See. Number seven, when uh, Ani and I went and saw Whitesnake on this Purple album tour, they opened with this great track. It's Burn. Absolutely love it. It is uh, one of those songs I think a lot of people maybe are familiar with and aren't quite sure who performed it. I've even seen some people misappropriate this to be an earlier Whitesnake track. It's not. It's Deep Purple all the way. All right, from here, we've concluded our David Coverdale tracks. And uh, we'll get to maybe the song that uh, was the breakthrough hit for Deep Purple. And, and again, really maybe before they found their edge. There was so much of that in, in the beginning. You know, every band, it takes a little while to kind of find their sound and that was really the case. You know, you go back to the uh, the debut album, Shades of Deep Purple, just, you know, so much of that. But, uh, you know, Joe South actually wrote this song. I don't know if you know much about Joe. You know, uh, Joe, of course, uh, wrote the uh, the great song, The Games People Play. It was covered by Tesla on the Bust Nut album. It was phenomenal. But uh, Joe South wrote this track. It's a great big hit for these guys called Hush. Hush. And, uh, again, it took a little while for them to kind of uh, turn the amps up a little bit. Uh, but this was, again, kind of, kind of in the doo-wop days a little bit of, of rock music, even on the British side of things. But uh, this album dropped uh, back in the 60s, uh, July 17th, 1968, to be exact. And then from there, you know, things kind of began to change for Deep Purple. Uh, number five, really a comeback album for them in many respects. Uh, came out in 1984, and it was the first uh, Deep Purple album that I owned. It's Perfect Strangers. And we're going to go with the title track from that album, Perfect Strangers. Absolutely phenomenal album. It was the 11th studio album released by Deep Purple and really kind of changed the direction of the band in many respects. Number four... Uh, going back a few years, it's a uh, woman from Tokyo. You probably heard this on your classic rock channels. Didn't know it was a deep purple track, but it was. Incredible vocal on this one. Number three, going back to the Perfect Strangers album. I love the intro on this. I love John Lord's uh, keyboard arrangement on this. It's absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It's knocking at your back door. Number two, one of the probably... Most well-known Deep Purple songs, which is the reason it's uh, at number two, right? It's Highway Star. And I remember what, seeing the video on MTV. Yeah, they re-released that once MTV kind of became a thing. When they would do the classic rock videos, they would re-release some of these old live performances and market them as videos. That was the case for Highway Star. An incredible, incredible song. But number one, and how could we not have this number one it's phenomenal and it's like one of the first songs that everybody that's, that's ever picked up a guitar has played this track 
It's smoke on the water. Uh, you know it is. And again, you start looking through you know the great riffs of our day, and in rock music, I, there there are few that compare with smoke on the water. I mean, everybody knows that opening, right? I mean, just Richie Blackmore laying it down. You know, I mean, it, it became a staple on Beavis and Butthead. But uh, you know, looking back, you know, look. The, what's amazing too is there's still you know some some current members that were around for a long time. Of course, Ian Pace has played the drums for for since 1968. Left the band, came back in '84 on Perfect Strangers, and still with them. Roger Glover, similar situation. Ian Gillian has been had this on again, off again love affair with uh, with Deep Purple. Was a singer from '69 to '73. Laugh came back for Perfect Strangers. Of course, he uh, succeeded David Coverdale. Was a singer to '89, then rejoined the band in '92. After John Lord died, of course, they had to find another keyboard player. They get Don Airy, and now Simon McBride uh, recently joined the band playing some guitar. But I mean, you look through this; it's it's insanity, really, of the people that have been with this band. John Lord, of course, Richie Blackmore. Uh, that kind of Stands to reason. Uh, Nick Semper was the original bass player. Just spent a couple of years with him. Uh, Rod Evans was the lead vocalist in the early days, of course, replaced by Ian Gillian. And then Glenn Hughes was the bass player in the mid-70s and uh, you know was there during the Coverdale years. Tommy Bolin, also a part of that, died in 1976. Of course, uh, he's the one that penned the, uh, the great song Teaser that was uh, covered by Motley Crue. Joe Lynn Turner also worked with Ingve Malmsteen. Left Ingve, became the uh, lead singer for Deep Purple for uh, four years. Even Joe Satriani jumped aboard for a while. Steve Morris, I mean, it's incredible. But even what's interesting, I bet you didn't know this. One day, uh, Richie Blackmore couldn't perform at a show and they even had Christopher Cross jump in and sit in. Christopher Cross. Right like the wind, baby, jumping in with Deep Purple. How cool is that? Pretty incredible stuff. So hope you learned a few things today about Deep Purple. These guys, man, it's just absolutely phenomenal when you go back and look, you know, what they've done and still performing. This band took the stage for the first time in, in 1968 and still performing. Absolutely amazing. What is it? 22 albums? Is that right? 22 albums? It's just, then it's just a studio, not even counting the live stuff. I mean, the, the catalog for these guys is just absolutely extensive. And uh, when they were finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they made the comment that, hey, this closes out the holy trinity of heavy metal. Because you had Led Zeppelin in, you had Black Sabbath, and now you finally had the Purple in. And, and there were some comments I thought were just absolutely... Uh, you know, on point about, you know, it took so long to include these guys uh, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Many of you that know music, know, uh, you know, some of the musicians, of course, that have been influenced. You know, even Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons and uh, Getty Lee from Rush both spoke out about Deep Purple not making the Hall of Fame. Steve Lukather from, from Toto made a very pointed comment and so they put Patty Smythe in there, but not Deep Purple. What's the first song every kid learns how to play? Smoke on the Water. And they're not even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has lost its cool because of the glaring omissions. Of course, they did finally correct that. But uh, even Slash spoke out about it. Uh, the list of people who haven't even been nominated is mind-boggling. 
The big one for me is Deep Purple. How could you not induct Deep Purple? James Hatfield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett from Metallica, all a big part of this. And uh, Lars even says, I'm not going to get into the politics or all that stuff, but I got two words to say, Deep Purple. That's all I have to say, Deep Purple. Seriously, people, Deep Purple. Two simple words in the English language. Deep Purple, did I say that already? And even your friend Chris Jericho. You know him as the uh, you know as a wrestler, but also too he's part of Fozzy. The fact that Deep Purple are not in the Hall of Fame is BS. Obviously, there's some politics against them from getting in there. And finally, they make it in, and uh, they didn't let uh, you know Glenn Hughes or or David Coverdale perform. They did. Uh, they were there. They were present, and uh, it was amazing too. Again. To find out that uh, Ian Gilligan says one, this one comment I thought was important for us to get this out here. Um, one of the jurors said, talking about jurors at the Rockner Hall of Fame, you know, Deep Purple, they're just one-hit wonders. Well, how can you deal with that kind of uh, philistinism, you know? I fought all my life against being institutionalized, and I think you have to actively search these things out. In other words, mingle with the right people, and we don't get invited to those kinds of things. Well, of course, they finally get him in. And, uh, you know, the director of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said at the time, Deep Purple's non-inclusion in the Hall of Fame is a gaping hole which now must be filled. The holy trinity of hard rock and metal bands. Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and now Deep Purple. So congratulations to those guys finally getting their their just due uh, to get included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if you're unfamiliar with these guys, I'm telling you, you have done yourself a disservice in life. Because, again, I, I, I would have to agree. I think Black Sabbath was truly the first metal band. True. And then Led Zeppelin, of course, with the performance that they brought to the stage was completely different. And then Deep Purple. I think we could probably get down with that. That is the holy trinity of early metal. And uh, Deep Purple, of course, just absolutely sonically at a different level than many of their contemporaries. And again, the, the fact you don't continue to play, man, 65 years later, if you're just some flash in the pan. I mean, let's let, let that sink in for a second. This whole thing started in 1968, before your good friend and host was even born, before my parents were even married. And Deep Purple was played, and then here they are, and now I'm a grandparent myself, Deep Purple still played. And the fact that we haven't done them, I think, is a bit of a disservice. And uh, unlike Ian, I disagree. I think the, the Coverdale years of Deep Purple were absolutely phenomenal. And uh, as evidence on my list here, you have four Coverdale songs uh, on the list. And I think a lot of people need to look at that and recognize that David Coverdale probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame of his own volition, not just because of the three years that he spent with Deep Purple and what he's done with Whitesnake over the years, but David Coverdale one of the best modern-day blues singers of all time. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. You never know. We may just do them. The best way to get it to us is uh, hit up Roy on Twitter or other forms of social media, wherever you can find him, at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. Just you know, hit, hit subscribe and just follow Roy. And then our list will pop up every now and again. I have so many people that have reached out and said, you know, Steve, when I'm traveling, I kind of get tired of my regular playlist. And I listen to podcasts, but I got a lengthy trip, and it's nice to be turned on to some new music and kind of be, you know, reunited with some uh, some hits some years ago and maybe introduced to some brand new stuff. But uh, again, 
I don't want to feel like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but we should have done a Deep Purple list a long, long time ago. So there you go. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too, if you don't already. You may already have a raving love affair with Campus Bookmart because it's quite simple. There's not a better place to go find Mississippi State merchandise than Campus Bookmart. Visit them when you come to town, very neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You take that turn off 182 at the Mississippi Highway Patrol uh, station there. And follow that on around in the left side right before you get to campus. There's Campus Bookmark. You can go in there and buy your maroon and white wares and then wear them at one of Mississippi State's historic venues. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a great shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you, the Boneyard listener, free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, I told you opening the show that uh, we would have the opportunity to go hear Zach Arnett speak. That press conference ended about an hour and a half ago. Came home, ate, uploaded a video. You can go watch that video in its entirety for free over at jeanspage.com. And a lot of our team content is free. We've already had uh, three stories posted uh, based on the uh, Arkansas Week press conference with Zach Arnett. Tomorrow I'll uh, transcribe the Sam Pittman press conference and let you know everything he had to say about Mississippi State. Uh, I'm a Sam Pittman fan, but I know a lot of that will be regular old coach speak, and uh, he'll build us up in great Emory Ballard fashion, right? Uh, for those of you that were around during that era, you, you kind of understand what we're talking about. Uh, not a lot today from Zach on the injury front. You could tell he was prepared for the question. And uh, so here's the thing that I would say. It's kind of like watching highlight film, Right. When people put their best foot forward, they put the things they do well on their highlight video. And there are other things that they don't put on there because they're not capable of doing them. I mean, when you break down a high school quarterback, you know, if their reads are all in the middle of the field and they don't ever throw the 15-yard out, you believe it's because they don't know how to do it or they're not capable of doing it. So you look for what's missing. If Zach Arnett expected Will Rogers to play this week, I suspect he would have said that today. He didn't say that. In fact, I even pushed him uh, on the question. I'm going to read you exactly what he said. I did follow that up uh, because I, I felt like, hey, we need to know, you know, where are we? How do things stand? Uh, didn't expect to get much from it, but uh, I'll read you his exact quote and then give you some thoughts on that too. So, um, all right, so... The question was, any update on Will or Woody? And it was John Sokoloff from WCBI that asked the question. He goes, no update like every other guy. They got limited reps last week, and every single guy on the roster is day-to-day. Everyone who is medically cleared to play will play. If they're not, then they won't. I thought that was an interesting answer because he says, like every other guy, they got limited reps. Well, I don't know if that jobs with everything that I've heard. So I followed it up. I said, are you saying those guys were full participants in practice last week? And he said, no. 
He said, what I am willing to say is that like every other guy, they got limited reps. And so a lot of little coach speak there. That applies to Bookie Watson, Jet Johnson, Jaden Cromedy, Nathan Pickering, those receivers who played a bunch of snaps. I could go on and on. Um, and so I just felt like that wasn't my original question, but I thought, hey, let's piggyback off the question here and see if we can't get uh, a more definitive answer. So your answer is essentially a non-answer, and I don't say that to be critical because I think Zach is playing it close to the vest, as he should. If Will's not going to play this weekend, I certainly wouldn't be out there broadcasting that now. I'd make Arkansas prepare. But I do think if it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to play this weekend, that you would say that. I think you don't want to you know, put yourself in a corner here and say, yeah, he's expected to play. Then he, not, he doesn't play, and then you're like, well – what was that all about? You know, um, if I had to call it today, I think Mike Wright should start quarterback on Saturday. Now, what does that mean? That's a good question. That question was also asked in kind of a roundabout way uh, by Stefan Krajnik from the Clarion Ledger. Uh, just kind of made the you know comment, hey, you know, in the event when uh, if if you have to play Mike, you know, does that change things? Well, I think we all know that it does because, you know, the guys have different skill sets, right? There are things that Will can do that Mike can't and vice versa. Arnett says, I think there are things we do with Mike in there that are structured more for him. Absolutely correct. When he's in there, we're going to play to the strengths of the players in there. It will look very similar to when he's in there at any other time. What that tells me is that we're going to run basically the same concepts with Mike against Arkansas when he's in the game that we do when he's been in the game ordinarily. Now, that, that makes sense. not a hot take. But we have not used Mike with the full complement of the offense. This is where I think the open date really helps us. In the event that we have to start Mike Wright, we've had two weeks to prepare. Y'all, we all saw it. Will Rogers got banged up against Western Michigan. Not some big surprise. And so – it's not going to be a big surprise today when they go to practice if Mike Wright is taking first-team snaps. And I think also because – and I've called them gadget plays, and people have said, oh, they're not really gadget plays. Uh, by and large, they have been gadget plays because we run like the double reverse, and it seems like every time we have Mike and Will on the field at the same time, it's a negative play. It's very much a gadget play. Uh, but all that said, there are some other things that we run with him, including the zone read offense – that are significant. Uh, I think that makes this whole thing with uh, Woody Marks all the more important. If you don't have Woody Marks out there to kind of bang through and kind of eat up 25, 30 carries a ball game, it makes things a little more interesting. Now, we don't know about Jeffrey Pittman. Now, I was told last week he could have played, but we elected to hold him out because we have depth running back position. But also, too, if you hold him out, it allows him to get healthier for the stretch run. We have six games left to go, as you guys are well aware. We've got to win at least three of them. And, uh, listen, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to have expectations just going to the dadgum Liberty Bowl. Years ago, maybe I felt that way. Oh, 07, I was thrilled to go to Liberty Bowl. I haven't been thrilled to go back since. But all that understood, uh, without Will – I think you have more of a run-centric offense that is predicated in many respects by the quarterback run. And Mike is an incredible athlete. So when you block things up, if Mike gets outside, Mike's the guy that can change the game for you. In addition to that, I do think you've got the depth, even without Woody, to make this a competitive ballgame. 
Uh, simple as that. And really all the pressure in many respects is on them. Even though things set up well for us, I mean, they're 2-5, they're and five, we're 3-3. Three and three. They're two losses away from missing out on a bowl game. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we're going to get their best effort. Now, last week I asked Arnett about do you spend the open date maybe introducing some new wrinkles? There are always some opponent-specific wrinkles week to week based on your film review. But you've had the benefit of two weeks. Now, a lot of people point out we had not always been the best team out of an open date. That's really the case for most people. It seems like everybody's a little bit rusty. That's why it's important to start quickly. And I asked uh, Arnett specifically about the 11 a.m. start. And he goes, there are some things that we do in practice uh, when we had the 11 a.m. game against LSU and against uh, Western Michigan, there are things that we do in practice each week that kind of lend itself towards making a quicker start. And we're going to need one. I don't think it's going to be the crowd that Sam Pippen expects. He, he mentioned that the game is a sellout. It's going to be standing room only. And I understand there are a lot of people that haven't seen their Razorbacks play in person in a month. I think there are also a lot of Razorback fans that are like, you know what, this season is pretty much uh, – you know, beneath expectations, I think I had them seven and five starting the year because I had them beating BYU. Uh, and then here we are, right? And so you begin to kind of work through this, and I think it'll be a decent crowd. It's so difficult, as many Mississippi State administrators and coaches have told me over the years, it is so difficult to get your crowd up for an 11 a.m. game. I don't think the situation – is exactly the same when we're playing Western Michigan and they're playing us, especially when they haven't seen uh, the home field advantage since September the 16th. And even in that, they didn't play exceptionally well. And we're going to break down Arkansas in uh, greater detail, but I don't think you're going to see a crazy crowd. Now, if it was a night game, I might feel a little bit differently. I think the Bulldog fans in Northwest Arkansas and those who are looking to make the trip out there, uh, you need to be there. Obviously, you're not going to have your cowbells, but you need to be there uh, to help as best you can to give our, our guys a little bit of a lift. But we've got to get a quick start here. If we go down a couple scores in this ball game, I think it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in many respects. And maybe you guys uh, will recall, you know, we went up there you, – you, we went up there a couple years ago, and we looked like for a half, we didn't really know what we were doing. That's kind of how it looked to me. And I was there. Many of you were as well. The rest of you uh, watched it on television. But we did not get off to a great start. We had, uh, you know, the big drive down there that ended in an interception. And it seems like the last few times that we played these guys, especially in games that we've lost to them, that we've allowed them to get out of the gate. Now, going back and looking at that 2021 meeting, that was on Saturday, November the 6th. It was a 3 p.m. game. Really wasn't that bad. If we'd have been able to make a couple field goals, it'd be a different deal. But it was a 10-0 game after one quarter of play. And then Arkansas goes up on a Cam Little field goal, who was absolutely outstanding. Hit a 55-yarder this weekend against Alabama. It's 13 and nothing, and then Will Rogers goes down and is able to uh, connect with Jaden Wiley for a short touchdown pass. So we climb right back in it at 13 to 7 just before the break, come out the third quarter, put a lengthy drive together, 
We find Rara for the touchdown. Extra points, good. It's now 14-13. Then Cam Little makes a 51-yarder. It puts them up two, headed to the fourth quarter. Now, a lot happened in this fourth quarter. It's 16-14 after three. This game ends up being a 31-28 game. K.J. Jefferson makes the big throw to Traylon Burks, gives a touchdown. They go ahead there, uh, make the extra point, 23-14. So we're down two scores. We find Rai again on a 37-yard pass. Extra point is good. It's 23-21. And then Will Rogers on what should have been the game-winning drive. Will Rogers basically navigates us down the field and then gets a swing pass out to Woody Marks for 15. The extra point is good. It's 28-23 with 2.22 to go. And right here we're thinking, as bad as we played in this game, we just need to get a stop. We just simply need to get a stop and get off the field, and we will have won this ball game in Arkansas that uh, they had kind of billed to be as their Super Bowl. And so what's interesting about every aspect of this is, um, you know, we just couldn't get it done. We just simply couldn't get it done. And and that's the thing that I, I look back in hindsight that just absolutely infuriates me is, Yes, there was a bad call there, but you begin to think about this whole thing. Uh, we get a we we get a touchback thanks to Brandon Ruiz, and then KJ's good for seven, and then they run for eleven, and it's first and ten now at the forty-three. They're already near midfield, and you start thinking, you know, goodness, can can we hold them? Well, we know they have to have a touchdown. You know, field goal's not going to get it done, and KJ gets hot here. It's complete the Knox, complete the Morris. Next thing you know, it's first and 10 at our 34. Uh, we get an incomplete. Aaron Brule with a nice play there for the Bulldogs. Makes it second and 10. They get it to Knox for just four. Brings up a third and six. We make a great tackle here. Buki Watson prevents Knox from getting the first down here. And then next thing you know, we get this bad call. And uh, this is the holding call on Martin Emerson. It's fourth and one. Ball's not catchable. If they caught, they couldn't call it P.I. because ball wasn't catchable. But they flag him. The whole thing was a setup from the get-go, right? I mean, you go out there and you have Traylon Burks, who was an outstanding player at Arkansas. Uh, he goes up, initiates contact, and then as he gets out of his break, there's a little contact there. They call it holding. That extends a drive. State should be off the field here. But instead, it's first and 10 at R15 with a minute to go. Again, a chance, even though we've had this bad call, they still got to go 15 yards and score. They throw a short completion, makes a second and four. Then K.J. Jefferson gets flushed. You think we're about to get a sack here. And K.J. again kind of leads this team and wills them down the field, gives you a first and goal at the four. And then Dominic Johnson scores. With 21 seconds to go, the extra point is good. And, um, you yeah, know, it was a two-point conversion. If memory serves me correct, that's correct. Yeah. So – now you look at it, and a field, only a field goal can tie them. We get the ball back with 21 seconds to go. And Will Rogers, much like K.J. Jefferson, kind of wills the team down the field. We hit Scooby Ford for 17, then it's Makai Polk for 13. All of a sudden, it's first and 10 at their 45. Good things are happening. Then we get Austin Williams for 23 yards. It sits up a first down at their 22-yard line with two seconds to go. And much like the rest of the day, we will go out there and try to make a field goal, and it wasn't even close. Would have tied the game. And I remember how they ran the field that day, and you could tell Sam Pevin had really, really gassed these guys up for this game, and they played like it.
Uh, announced attendance was 68,818. For those of you that were there, you understand that's incorrect. There wasn't nearly that many people there. Uh, but I suspect it'll be a similar situation this week. I think they'll have a much bigger announced attendance uh, than they're actually there. But if you remember, we missed three field goals in the game. We go 0 for 3 for field goals, and they're 3 for 4. And those are the kinds of things that get you beat on the road. You can't go out there and miss field goals. you got to be able to put points on the board. And we didn't, and we lost the game. But was that Arkansas team better than this one? I would venture to say that it was. I would also say that that Mississippi State team was better than this one. So it's difficult to know what to expect at this point. But, uh, well, you know, I, I go back and even think about that 2020 game. I mean, the, the numbers in that game statistically were absolutely terrible. I mean, we, we played a better game than they did, and we lost. And that's what happens. We always talk about we just want to play clean. That's just not always the case. And, you know, Arkansas hadn't won a game in forever in the Southeastern Conference. We played that game. And this is this week after State had destroyed LSU down in Baton Rouge. And we have a home game. And, you know, K.J. Costello is being mentioned as the consensus favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Set an SEC single-game passing record uh, in that game against LSU and then just absolutely falls apart. And even with that, State had 400 yards of offense in that game against Arkansas. Arkansas just 275 yards in that game. 212 of that came passing. Yet we held those guys to a net of 63 yards rushing. State outrushes Arkansas in that game. 87. And remember, Colin Hill gets banged up in the ball game, has to come out. But offensively, as bad as we were finishing drives, State moved the ball exceptionally well between the 20s. And let's not forget, the very first touchdown of the game for Arkansas was a pick six that Costello threw to Greg Brooks and uh, wished Greg the best, you know, as he battles cancer here. But, you know, more times than not, when you look at these recent games against Arkansas, it's traditionally been the team that makes the fewest mistakes that wins the game, no matter where it's played. Doesn't matter if it's here, it's there, it's Little Rock. The team that makes the fewer mistakes wins. And so we don't have to go up there and play mistake-free football, but we've got to make less mistakes than them. And uh, I'm eager to see what that scouting report looks like, that injury report from Arkansas. And I'm sure Sam will be, uh, you know, kind of coy about all that stuff too, as you'd expect. I mean, last year he hid the health of his quarterback. Uh, They have been banged up a little bit on defense, had some guys step up uh, here recently. But, uh, you know – Guys, you go back and look at this thing. You know, you got to go all the way back to to Peter Sermon in 2016 when Arkansas had a huge offensive day against Mississippi State. You do. In 2020, we give up two offensive touchdowns in the game and lose because we couldn't finish drives. We go up there in 2021 and we miss three field goals, and what do we lose by a field goal? And, of course, last year, State dominated the game, winning 40-17. You know, when State has won this game in recent years, it has been in blowout fashion. I don't expect that to be the case this year. But, you know, from 2012-2015, Dak Prescott never lost a game to Arkansas. And the one we all remember is that crazy 2015 game where Benique West Brown knifed through late and blocks a field goal attempt that allows us to win the game. 
The next year, we had about a sermonitis, and Arkansas didn't punt the entire game. But since Peter Sermon has left the Mississippi State campus, uh, the most points that Arkansas has scored in a game against the Bulldogs, 31 points. And, it, and that came against Zach Arnett in 2021. And so you begin to kind of work this thing out here, and you begin to realize how similarly, similar these two teams are. It is, in every respect, a toss-up game. And I understand the spread. I think it's nine, nine and a half in favor of Arkansas. If Mississippi State plays up the potential, we're going to cover the spread and likely win the game. If we go out there and don't play well defensively, it doesn't matter how we play offensively. Now, this is an offense from uh, Arkansas that uh, is maybe somewhat pedestrian compared to what it was last year. And I think a lot of it, again, is because Dan Enos just doesn't understand – what he has in KJ. I love KJ. Loved him when he was a high school recruit at North Panola. Really hoped he'd be our quarterback. And a lot of people have said, well, if you could take him now, would you take him? I don't know that he fits what we want to do, to be honest with you. I don't know if he's quite as good a passer. But uh, it did some big things. And he is a guy, too, that is just simply a winner and will will his team to victory if given the opportunity. So we got to stay on top of things. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Is this a winnable ball game for State? You better believe it. it is. Is this a ball game if we go up there and don't play well, we're going to get run out of the stadium? You better believe it is. I don't think there's a lot of in-between, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think it really boils down to us. If we go up there and play, and the way that we played special teams-wise has been very, very good. Uh, Arkansas specialists have been very, very good. And those things matter in games like this. You say, but, Steve, it's just special teams. There's always this and there's that. Yeah, yeah we go up there and miss three field goals, we're going to lose a game. I'm just going to lay it out there for you. Be prepared for that. Cam Little's not going to miss. And I don't know that Kyle Ferry is. And, of course, him being a native of Arkansas, I'm sure the game means a little bit more to him. But it's so important for us to get out there and get a good start in this ball game. And it's so crazy. You look at it and say Arkansas is 2-5. And then you look at the weapons that they have, especially with KJ. It all centers around KJ. We talked about that in the preseason. This team is going to go as far as KJ can take them. And I think we kind of patterned that also, that line of thinking, thinking Rocket was going to be available. And Rocket has got 91 yards on a year. He's been banged up. And, you know, we hope the kid gets better. As I said earlier, hope he makes a full recovery a week from today. Uh, report came out earlier he's out two to four weeks. All right, so we're not going to see him. But when you start breaking this thing down and you begin to look at the fact that, number one, Sam Pittman is an offensive line-minded coach. They want to run the football. They want to utilize the tight ends. They want to run a little misdirection and, uh, you know, run some, some play action, rollout type stuff. And KJ's athletic enough to pull that off. But we've got to get out of the gate. We simply have to get out of the gate. Again, you look at the games that we've lost against Arkansas in recent years. Uh, there's The bad start has been a part of that. That's a big aspect of all of it. You know, the team that seems to get out of the gate teams, teams, tends to do well in these games. And it's so important for us. I mean, we, we have to do what we can to kind of take the crowd out of the ballgame. But, you know, you go – I don't know what Joe Moorhead had against Chad Morris. But Joe absolutely whipped Chad to death. Absolutely tore him apart. 52-6. to six in Starkville, and then we go to Fayetteville, and it's 54-24, and, and many of Arkansas's points came late, and K.J. Jefferson under center in that ballgame. That's how long this thing has gone on. I mean, this will be K.J.'s fifth game against Mississippi State thanks to the COVID year. Uh, but we came out there with Tommy Stevens. 
which was a surprise because Garrett Schrader was unavailable for the game. Uh, some people were trying to suggest that it was a disciplinary issue, and perhaps it was. But I think when you go back and look at you know the whole thing last year with State playing Arkansas at our place, even with or without K.J. Jefferson, State came ready to go in that ball game. Came out ready to go. And uh, it, it felt like early on State was going to be able to simply name the score. It's 14 nothing after one. Arkansas finally gets a big play late, but it's a 21-10 game at the break. And then in the second half, State wins 19-7. But, again, you go back to all this competitive nature. The fact that State came out early and punched first and really got the crowd in the ball game was a big part of it, huge part of it. The game, the team that has won this game – typically has won the first quarter here in recent years. It is what it is. I think that's probably the case uh, on Saturday. I think you can watch the first quarter and probably turn the game off and already know how, who won. You just won't know the final score. If we come out there flat, it's going to be a long day. If we come out there prepared, get some big plays early, kind of have that crowd sitting on their hands a little bit, Next Monday may be a really fun day here on the yard and around this Mississippi State fan base. We absolutely have to win this game. All right, final segment of the show. Told you we had some uh, familiar friends coming back. Guys, here, let me ask you this. When you come to Starkville and you think about, okay, you know, we've got our tailgate group, or maybe we don't want to tailgate, but we've got, you know, maybe you're like our family, Right. So there's me and the wife, and then there's Ani and his wife, Batsy, and their family. And then you know, Audrey has a serious boyfriend. Mia has a serious boyfriend. And you start thinking, man, it would be really expensive to have to travel and everybody have to get a hotel room. And, and more times than not, it's a two-night minimum, right? And so you start doing the math on that. And then you think, okay, we got to go out to dinner, you know, and then, hey, if we're going to go to the ball game or whatever, you know, you can play seven, eight dollars a beer. I don't drink, but some others do. What if everybody could stay together? Like, what if you could just rent a house? And not just any house, but how about the Stark Vegas Clubhouse? And you just Google that today. Google it right now, and you can learn more about it. Whether, whether you're bringing a team of people in to work on the Mississippi State campus, or perhaps you're working here in the Golden Triangle and just need to have a centralized location of where you're going to call home. Yeah, well, the cool thing about it is, you even have a full-service bar there. So you can go to Walmart, buy your gear, and then just come store it there instead of going out to some bar or something or being at a, at a restaurant. Uh, and one of the things I think about, too, like when I travel, you know, more times than not, it's just me or me and the bride. But when I do travel and uh, it's the rest of the family, it's so awkward getting together down in that lobby. You know what I mean? And then you get down there, and it's like, then you got to go pay all this extra price because you feel obligated to eat and drink because you're sitting there watching the ball game together. You know, what if you could just do it at the house? Again, the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, the former clubhouse uh, of the golf course out there. It's been completely renovated. It is absolutely outstanding. Just Google it yourself. And uh, the deal is five bedrooms. Five bedrooms, the fire pit out back. All the amenities you could possibly desire. And uh, if you're thinking about coming up for a ball game weekend, that's the way to go. But in addition, through the week, you know, if it's just one person traveling together, maybe this is not for you. But if you're bringing a team of people up here, or perhaps you're all coming for, you know, midweek baseball, midweek basketball, I don't know what your needs are. And But you want everybody to be able to congregate together. 
the Star Vegas Clubhouse is for you. Google that, and here's the thing too. Another discount here, right? Let's kind of get down to this. This is You're listening to the show for free. We're going to save you a little money. We could have gone with any promo code, but we're going with BSR10. BSR10, because beautiful Steve Robertson is going to save you 10% off your booking. How about that, right? Just by listening to the show, we'll give you a promo code. Again, Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and that'll take you to Evolve, which is a management company, and use promo code BSR10. You're going to stay at a wonderful property with all the, the finest amenities just five minutes from campus, and you're going to save 10% just by being a Boneyard listener. How about that? All right, I'm trying to get my hands on a uh, box score from Saturdays. You know, the uh, Diamond Dogs traveled to Louisiana Tech and played two seven-inning games. Uh, Gerangelo Sanjay Sanchi started the first game. Nadom started the second. State wins the first game 10-5. to and loses to second, 5-2. to two. Now, Bradley Lofton had a difficult outing, uh, difficult outing, had some walks. And uh, I said on the show recently, I thought he may start out on Tuesday nights. And I even got some messages where people are like, oh, no, I don't understand. He's just not quite there yet. He's going to be. I still firmly believe he is an SEC weekend starter. Uh, but he's just not quite there yet. But uh, did not have a great outing at Tech. Uh, and it's had some issues with walks here in the fall, and I think that's one thing that will probably relegate him to midweek to start, and then we'll see how things go. Got to get him healthy. You know, and that's the thing. He was a little bit banged up last year, and he had off-season surgery, and, and uh, so he's just kind of really getting back to form. I still have high hopes for this young man, but uh, uh, Gerangelo was very good. Uh, we didn't cover the game. Of course, we're reliant on uh, secondhand information here. Uh, now, your scrimmage this weekend – is going to be here in Starkville, and we play UAB. If you're not making a trip to Fayetteville, uh, I believe that's going to be a 1 p.m. start. Ball game, football game starts at 11, but uh, baseball is going to be at 1, if, me, if, if memory serves me correct. And I'll confirm that as we get closer, but I'm just trying to let you know. Uh, maybe maybe you come out there and just watch the football game on your, uh, on your, your tablet or your phone or your device, whatever, and just kind of leisurely watch uh, baseball as we take on UAB. And so – uh, that'll be awfully interesting. And, and I think you should have the opportunity to come out. And then we're going to get ready to wrap up fall. And from what Lamona says, this is probably the last year we do it as early as we have. So we'll get done, start getting some guys healthy. And I think that's part of the deal, too, is now that you've gone through the fall, you have some guys that probably need some rest and rehabilitation because it wasn't too terribly long ago some of these guys were still playing summer league baseball. Then they're right back on campus right into uh, pre-fall workouts, and then they're into the actual fall practices and scrimmages. So now we'll give everybody a chance to kind of rest a little bit. Of course, they'll still be in the cage and doing their long tossing, but as far as, like, uh, actually playing some things, you know, that, that'll be done. Uh, Hunter Hines, you know, was a little bit banged up in the fall. He, he fell trying to catch a ball in the dugout, was in a sling for a day or two, and everybody kind of panicked, but he's back out there swinging, hit the baseball really, really hard. So – uh, excited about where we are. And again, as I remind you guys, last week I upgraded my optimism level from cautiously optimistic to just simply optimistic. Simply optimistic. And then as we go back and get some more data and we have a chance to uh, see these guys play in the preseason, you never know. I might be more optimistic. But as we stand today, I'm optimistic. 
Now, for those of you that have pre-ordered the book, uh, When the Bottom Falls, uh, finally got a release date. And so it looks like the completion date is going to be at or around November the 10th. So when we first finished this project up, we were optimistic to have it done end of September, uh, early to mid part of October. Well, it's been pushed back a few weeks, but uh, there'll be some ebb and flow with that. But uh, you are now within less than a month of that book being released. And so now I know a lot of people have told me, Steve, I, I don't want to just pre-order and have to wait, wait, wait. Many of you have been very patient, and I appreciate that. Uh, but you can go to windabottomfalls.com and go ahead and pre-order that book. I'm excited to get that thing on the shelves. And uh, you know, it's tough in the holidays to get to number one. I don't know if it'll ever reach number one, but that's not why we wrote it. You know, I wrote the book to try to help other people and try to help people understand recovery uh, and addiction and just kind of you know, tell my own story, the path of recovery. And a lot of people have shared with me, Steve, I'm eager to read this. I hope so. And I hope it helps someone. Uh, that's the whole goal of all of this. I've written a lot of other books in the past thinking, you know what, hey, we're going to sell a ton of books. It's going to be a bestseller. We're going to make a lot of money. And we're going to be really, really happy with what we've done. This is much different. I'm very happy with the work. But I'm also, I'm, I'm going to say I'm nervous. But I know there's some people are going to read this and think, you know what, he's not exactly the guy I thought he was. And other people are going to read it and say, you know what, he's an even better guy than I thought he was. But I didn't write it for the court of public opinion. I wrote this for the still suffering addict. And my hope is this book or multiple copies of these books will find their way into the hands of people that are struggling with addiction. And uh, whether it be alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever. And there's so many things out there. We have, we are so scared to call things what they are these days because we're scared of hurting somebody's feelings. But uh, let me share this with you. The uh, Really the only difference between, you know, the soccer mom at the country club uh, you know, taking pain pills and antidepressants and all that kind of stuff recreationally. I know some people need those uh, narcotics uh, in their lives to function. I'm not in any way trying to suggest that uh, everybody that takes those drugs are, are abusing them. There are some people that need them to improve their quality of life. I get that. There are other people out there that do it recreationally. And really the only difference between those people and the people on the streets really where they get their dope and where they lay their heads you know, but we sometimes have just kind of created this stigma. We say, hey, when you hear the word drug addict, we think it's got to be somebody homeless or somebody that's uh, starving to death or that's, you know, robbing a liquor store. That's just not the case. Addiction is no respecter of persons. And so I wrote this book with that in mind. And I think it's important uh, to write it. And I, to be honest with you, I, somebody asked me, how do you feel now that you've written it? I said, I'll be able to die happy. It's true. Uh, because I did not want to pass away without uh, sharing, you know, all the things that I have learned in recovery and be able to share that with other people. And uh, it's not necessarily the best roadmap in the world to recovery, but it is my journey. And it was very important for me to write this. There is, there's no ego in it. Matter of fact, there's some very embarrassing things in this book. And uh, so I encourage you, if you haven't done so, go to windabottomfalls.com. And again, we're uh, T minus 30 days. We're you know, right around, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 days, maybe, you know, and I'll update you as we go. But uh, yeah, so we're in the process of being printed now. They did have some delays with typesetting and all that sort of stuff. And there's a problem with the file. Things never go the way we want them to go. But uh, it is what it is. So uh, you can also get all of my sports books there too at winthebottomfalls.com. You can uh, get Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, uh, flim flam and dog pile and again we're starting to see a little bit of resurgence with flim flam i don't i can't really explain it but uh, i've been getting more requests and 
comments about Flim Flam as of late. Matter of fact, over the weekend uh, at the race, talking to some people about uh, books, and somebody identified me, so I had to tell the story. And uh, so we sold some books. One of the things I would tell you, too, I have seen people, some of you guys have sent me like screenshots on Amazon where they are selling villains and alpha dogs for above the retail price. Matter of fact, I saw somebody bought a copy of Stark Villains for $100. You could have bought four of them for that price, sir or ma'am. There are still some quantities available. Again, go to winthebottomfalls.com and you can get those. Uh, you know, limited quantities on everything. And, of course, uh, villains and alpha dogs, not much left of those at all. So if you're looking to complete your collection, uh, you need to get that. And then we'll figure out what we're going to write next. I have a lot of people that have said, hey, you need to write this, you need to write that. I've got no shortage of advisors, I can assure you. Uh, but I know it do, I, at some point we are going to write another book about state history. It won't necessarily be, you know, about Mississippi State and Ole Miss per se, but it will kind of close that loop. I think one more book, we'll call that a trilogy, you know, and we'll probably do a short run of printing of villains and alpha dogs and package the whole thing up as a trilogy and sell it to you. But uh, I've already come up with a working title for that one. It's just going to be State Greats. Um, And so I've already got some people lined up. In fact, I've already done some interviews uh, for that book whenever I get ready to write it. Because some of these people, as you guys know, they're aging out, and none of us know how much time we have left. And so I want to get these stories uh, documented and uh, really just kind of talk about and celebrate the Mississippi State experience. And that was one of the things when I got ready to move to Starkville, you know, people were asking me, what are you most excited about? And I said, it's the opportunity to sell books. I want to write books. And I want to write them as a Mississippi resident because I want to be included in the Mississippi writing literary community. I don't want somebody to say, oh, well, he lives in Louisiana. No, I didn't want to get beat on a technicality, so here we are. Uh, We'll come back on Wednesday, and we'll kind of let you know what we've learned through our media opportunities. We will have players and coordinators tonight, and you can look for the videos of that uh, late tonight or tomorrow at jeanspage.com. Tomorrow evening, we will have selected assistant coaches, and that will conclude our media opportunities for football this week. Of course, you got some basketball stuff coming up, uh, and we'll have full coverage of all that stuff. And we'll hope to sit down with Chris Simonis once we get through with fall baseball one-on-one and just kind of get an assessment of where we are, what we need to clean up between now and the season. And uh, we'll have that over at uh, at Gene's page. Uh, So come out and be a part of that uh, as best you can. If you're not a member, you certainly should be. You can get uh, one month of coverage for just $1 or 30% off uh, the annual subscription rate. We welcome all comers. And then on Friday... We'll preview Arkansas, and then we'll hit the road to Arkansas. And uh, if you're on the fence about going, and I understand what a financial commitment it is. I get it. I understand. But if you have the ability to go, I'm encourage you to go. Uh, we got some really good Bulldogs up there in northwest Arkansas, many of who work at the Walmart home office, that uh, would love to be able to have bragging rights for another year. So we'd love to be able to go up there and get a win. Uh, so let's go up there and encourage them and be a part of that. And uh, thanks so much for the Northwest Arkansas Bulldogs that have hosted me for book signings on multiple occasions over the years. Uh, it's been really nice to be able to meet those folks and spend some time with them. And uh, we look forward to getting back up there uh, this weekend. Uh, Stark Villains gear you can always find at StarkVillains.com. It's never too early to start thinking about Christmas. You can get those Stark Villains T-shirts and hoodies in a variety of colors and uh, ship directly to your door. For sure. 
All right, listen, let's get out of here. It's been a long day, and the day is not even uh, half over for us. As I mentioned, we've got some more media opportunities. Uh, but it should be a busy week, and we should be on schedule this week. And hopefully uh, it's a very successful week for Mississippi State. I think one of the cool things is we went through uh, the weekend, gave the guys some time off, and it appears we, we made it through the weekend without any issues. So uh, there have been times in our program's history that we always kind of held our breath, you know, when players went home for the weekend. You know, there were times Sylvester Croom wouldn't let them go anywhere. Uh, but, you know, these guys are respectful young men, and uh, we don't have bad actors on our team. And so it's good that everybody had a chance to go home and kind of recreate a little bit, spend some time with family, let mom cook and do laundry a little bit, and get on back to Stark Vegas, and let's get ready for an exciting second half of the college football season. Uh, a lot for us to think about and a lot for us to do, but the next step in our journey is this weekend at Fayetteville, and we'll have you f- have full coverage uh, of Mississippi State's preparations for Arkansas, as well as uh, some insight from the other side of things over uh, with the Razorback side. And uh, you can find all that at jeanspage.com this week, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.